You've stopped in at the guidepost. Brought to you by the American Saltwater Guides Association. Stock up on gear, grab a coffee at the counter, and get ready to hear incredible fish stories from the best captains on the East Coast and thought-provoking conversations with stakeholders and policymakers working to protect these fisheries. This podcast is presented by Costa Sunglasses. Hello, everyone, and welcome to season two of The Guidepost. This is a gentle reminder that the ASGA Roadshow is still on the road with dates coming up in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. Great place to win raffle prizes, have some camaraderie amongst fellow anglers, and learn more about Amendment 7 and striped bass and how you can help. We'll have a special guest in Connecticut, most likely. I can't can't really talk to that right now. But again, tons of raffles. Um, we'll watch some fishing movies, most uh, specifically Hardline, the striped bass movie that most of us were in last year, uh, and and just a pile of awesome prizes from our sponsors. So look on social media, look for our email newsletter. Go to our website, look at our blog for details on all of those, and you can sign up on Linktree slash ASGA. We are here today. First, thanks for thanks for joining us. We sincerely appreciate it. And we're getting a lot of those comments in too, right? If you have any questions, comments at saltwaterguidesassociation.org. We're getting a pile of those comments in. I'm spending an inordinate amount of time answering them and enjoying each one. It's great getting to know y'all via email so please keep sending them in we we announced our first winner a couple of podcasts ago we'll be announcing the next winner here real shortly but today we are here to talk about all that embodies the forces of darkness the darth vader the horribleness that is conservation equivalency for striped bass and how that's going to be addressed in amendment seven and how it will never look the same, and how they will never be able to do what they did to striped bass in the last decade through conservation equivalency ever again. And I'm excited. I'm giddy, as a matter of fact. Almost as giddy when I got the the text message about the Krispy Kreme donuts with Twix in them, because um, we do not like conservation equivalency. So we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of this. There's a couple of different sub-options, but... Um, <clears throat> What was that quote from quote from Conan the Barbarian? True meaning of life is to see your enemies driven of before you and hear the lamentations of their women. That's pretty much what this section is for all those states that used conservation equivalency in a naughty, naughty way. Because we're getting to fix your little red wagon right about now. Willie, Will, joining me again. Say hello, you crazy kids. What's up, everyone? Good to be here, Tony, as always. I don't think we got to do this on video once so y'all can see Willie's face when I drop like Krispy Kreme menu options and Conan the Barbarian quotes. It's awesome. So Tony, I'll start. I'll start screen recording once we talk about uh, some of the examples when CE has been used uh, many oh, times. That's in a good the, idea. Do in that. The port. I, I give you. I give you a thumbs up for that. We'll post it, and I look forward to seeing my facial expressions on that. So. This so is get, so let's get yeah, into let's it. Let's get going on it, man. So 4.6.2. 4.2. 4. 
4.6.2, correct. That's what I'm talking this is, about. This is our fourth and final uh, installment in our guide to the Stripe Bass uh, Draft Amendment 7. So thanks, everybody, for sticking with us so far. Uh, we're going to talk through, I believe there are, um, well, five options on the table. But the first option when it comes to conservation equivalency is status quo. And I don't really need to ask, but I could use a little entertainment. So, Tony, what do you think of maintaining the status quo for conservation equivalency? Yeah, like what is it, over my dead body kind of thing? Like, nah. Mm -mm. I bet you, I bet you when the numbers come out before the May meeting, there's like four people who vote for status quo. Um, maybe. And thousands who vote against it. So we're we're not going to go with status quo. Would it, Will, what do you think about status quo for conservation equivalency? Well, it's gotten us uh, in part to where we are today. So I think uh, any uh, sane person would not be uh, supporting status quo. And I will say uh, this is a place, you know, we've talked about how there are opportunities um, to really benefit long-term outlook for striped bass management and conservation. And this is one of them, right? I mean, the the worst case scenario here is status quo. And then we've got four other options that could really put some some good guardrails around CE and you know give, give states the potential to use it um, under certain certain circumstances, but not at the expense of the stock. So some some pretty exciting stuff here, and I think we ought to get right into option B. Uh, we've already heard that we oppose as ASGA, we oppose option A, the status quo, and option B deals with restricting the use of conservation equivalency based on stock status. So Tony or Orwell, do you guys want to give a little more context on on what that means and where we stand? Yeah, I mean, Willie, this, this one's just the no-brainer. This this option uh, would restrict the use of CE to certain stock conditions, um, and uh, you know, it's it it's probably one of the simplest ones in the document, um, and for that reason, we support it. We support option B one A. Um, which would just simply disallow conservation equivalency um, when the stock is uh, below the biomass threshold. So, i.e., when it is overfished. Um, you know, this is important because we don't want to be injecting more uncertainty when the stock is, uh, you know, below these levels. Um, it's a win win. We strongly support this sub option. And we will, you know, the uncertainty. The uncertainty conundrum, you know, there's a, there's a real theme in that in everything that we do. You know, it's a lot easier to count deer and turkey. It's even easier to count waterfowl, you know, something that, that migrates <laughs> a lot of times from Canada to Mexico. It's, easy, it's easier to count them than it is count fish. Uh, and, and there is a ton of uncertainty inherent in fisheries management. And a lot of that's, you know, a good chunk of that's our fault is recreational anglers not kind of providing the best data that we could provide. And we were, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. But, you know, we deal with the reality. We are, we are of, actually about to go down that rabbit hole. But, you know, go ahead. What'd you say, buddy? I just said we're going to go down that rabbit well, hole. Well, a little bit uh, later on, D. but, you know, uh, but, you know, for this discussion, when there's so much uncertainty inherent in this entire process, you need to have some guardrails, right? You need that. You need to have something that makes you stay on the track. And let me tell you, these options on this, in this first part of conservation equivalency, there are some that are more restrictive than the one that we picked. However, 
the one that made the most sense to us was anything below that threshold because that denotes overfishing. So we're not even close to the threshold now. I mean, we're we're way the hell below the threshold. So this would take conservation equivalency, you know, out of the loop, which it should be. You know, we we have to rebuild this stock. Um, and and abuse of conservation equivalency is probably one of the biggest limiting factors besides poor recruitment. And we, sh- we can control that so we stand firmly that it should not be used if the stock is below the threshold. So just to recap on this one, folks, for option B, uh, we support sub-option B1, which doesn't allow the use of conservation equivalency when the striped bass stock is overfished. So with that, I think we can kick it over to what you were just talking about, Tony, which is recreational data, right? That's option C, which has to deal with uh, the Marine Recreational Information Program, which is the Recreational Fisheries Data Collection Program from NOAA, oft maligned, um, but certainly a program that uh, loses some of its uh, precision when you get into uh, looking at you know more state level and uh, and wave based data as opposed to the the annual coast wide scale. So, uh, Will, do you want to kind of talk a little bit about you know what this option would do and how it might uh, help to again reduce some of that uncertainty around um, conservation equivalency implementation? Yeah, no problem, Willie. You know, much much like you just said there, um, there are certain ways that MRIP, which is the the recreational data. Um, stream that we all use to manage our fisheries, there are very clear guidelines to how to use this data. Um, it, NOAA is pretty adamant that you're not supposed to use it at very, um, you know, at state levels in one month out of the year uh, for, you know, one fish. Um, this sub option uh, C3, which is the one that we're supporting, would place a limit on the percent standard errors of the data that you're using to justify your conservation equivalency proposals. Um, so I know that sounds like a lot, but this is just saying that if you're going to use CE, you are have to you're going to be limited to using data that has a PSE of 30. Um, percent You know, we we could have gone higher than that. We could have gone lower than that. We we felt that this was the fair um, the fair value, and it's the value that is most closely aligned to uh, NOAA's and the National Academy of Sciences, for that matter's recommendations on how to use uh, MRIP. Willie, did it's, I, did it's I, worth- yeah, Willie, did I miss anything on uh, your favorite subject? <laughs> uh, I would just say that it's worth noting. You know, the, the three options here are 30%, 40%, 50%. And 30% is is the most restrictive here. But that doesn't mean that if a state has a percent standard error of greater than that, that they're forever prohibited from using CE. Instead, it's kind of an incentive, right? So if, you're, if your precision is so low that you can't use it, you know, is it possible then for a state to devote additional resources to improving its, its sampling density and, and getting that PSE down a bit? So there's definitely kind of a, a you know, a, a, an actionable alternative here that can come out of having a PSE above 30% uh, and hopefully incentivize more states to increase the precision of their striped bass estimates. I just think, you know, I just look back to Maryland and Maryland drilled down to like one wave in one month in April, used terrible data 
and said we were catching, I mean, like something crazy, like 15,000, 60,000 fish. A day. I mean, it was insane. And nobody was really out there fishing before the season starts. Um, you know, folks, I don't, I don't know if y'all understand this or not, but we're, we're very limited already before all these crazy rules come down where they abuse the MRIP numbers and, and won't even let us catch and release fish. We're not allowed to fish in most of the rivers until June 1. So, you know, the river just to the south of me is the chop tank. If I buy a house on that river or I keep my boat in one of those marinas, uh, I cannot, I have to go to the mouth of the river if I want to fish for striped bass until June 1. So when we're talking about shutting down the bay, you're just talking about the main stem. So you're not, you're talking about the fish that are on like the, the spawning super highway and they're, they're running up that, that shipping channel and they're going back to their natal rivers, whether it's, you know, the Potomac and in the mid lower part of the bay or, or the chop tank, you know, a little bit North of there up by me or the far Northern Bay uh, in all those areas on the Susquehanna Flats, you know, there's multiple rivers that go in there. We already weren't allowed to fish there. Um, and they used kind of crazy data that had PSEs of over 50%. And they sh they shut down us being able to fish at all, even no target, in, in all through the month of April, um, which was devastating, you know, to our, our light tackle fly guide community um and really for no gain other than to shift imaginary numbers over to other groups so they wouldn't really have to take a reduction so the fact that you're not able to use this and like willie said there's an incentive to where if you want to use it you're going to have to put some dollars into it and have more robust data to get it below that 30 percent mark um you know that's kind of saying like that's another situation where like, we're tired of your shenanigans. You're not using this in the right way. We all know MRIP wasn't designed to do this. And now if you want to do it, you're going to have to supplement that information on your own. And it's going to have to pass the, the, the mustard, it's going to have to pass the smell test, and you're going to have to get it down to 30%. So we strongly, strongly bended knee. I'll send you all a Krispy Kreme donut with a Twix in it. if you vote for that sub option C3 where the PSE can't exceed 30%, which is just as important, just as important facet of conservation equivalency as none allowed if overfishing is occurring. Uh, or sorry, if, if the stock is overfished, my bad. Um, so anything to add on that? My, my hearty band of fish conservation warriors yeah um i don't think so i think i think you nailed it i think folks get the impression here that you know the big picture is conservation equivalency brings uncertainty so let's find ways to make sure that we're not putting undue risk on the stock through its implementation and so toward that end the, the next the next piece here which might be a little bit tricky to explain but as a really critical uh addition to this document is this option D around adding an uncertainty buffer when it comes to uh, implementing conservation equivalency. And I don't know if either of you guys wants to take a stab at kind of articulating what this does. I think the 
the the big picture is that it requires i think tony you've used the term a luxury tax I, to, actually uh, willie i'm I, i've on i've i've practiced this in the mirror at home for a while I want you to get a visual on that and i think i've come with a come to the table today with a really easy way for folks to understand this this is a shithead tax it's not a luxury tax it's a shithead tax so if you're a shithead and you've been abusing this and you want to continue using conservation equivalency you're gonna to have to come pay the piper and that is what we what we suggest is a buffer of 25 percent so willie let's use an example so the folks at home can understand what what this means so i'm going to say it in human terms and then you're going to say it in fish terms and i think we can come together and make some sense so if if the striped bass management board decides that a 20 percent reduction is needed based on the stock assessment okay and the stock is not let's say the stock is not overfished it's above the threshold and you say well i want to use conservation equivalency you're gonna to have to tack on another 25 percent reduction due to the uncertainty that our policy consultant will post and mention not too long ago now isn't that a hoot isn't that a hoot doesn't that make you kind of just giddy on the inside it's like it's like drinking a warm cup of tea on a cold main february night right willie with the fire raging on lake sebago with your sebago shoes on and your lake trout grilling on the open fire the moose just calling about, in just the about distance every just about everything you said in that sentence was wrong so that's pretty know. impressive i'm a cypress uh, tree and spanish moss kind of guy like i don't i was just trying to paint the picture for the rest of our listeners so oh well, yeah that's it's i appreciate it you get an a for effort so well, well, your participation you. trophy I'm looking for. you're welcome yeah um yeah so i think in real terms right so if you need to reduce if you if everybody else needs to reduce by 100 fish and let's say you have a uh that we choose to have a, a 25% uncertainty buffer, then you would have to t reduce by an additional 25%. So that would be 125 fish, right? It's basically just to account for the additional cone of uncertainty there around, around the conservation equivalency, equivalency implementation. So there are three options on the table for this. Uh, one is a 10% reduction. So that would mean in that 100 fish scenario, you'd have to, um, you'd have to reduce all by 110 fish there's a 25%, which, as I said, is kind of like the middle ground, 125 fish. And there's a 50% reduction, which would be 150 fish, where everybody else is going down by 100. So we spent a lot of time going back and forth on this. And, Will, do you want to kind of describe where we landed? Yeah, we uh, we went with uh, D2, like, like we said, which is the 25%. Um, not just because it's easier to divide by four and uh, get numbers um but we that's we what kinda... all told me wait a minute that wasn't true that's what they're always lying to me because i'm the old guy continue yeah but uh you know we just like, like willie said this was the the middle of the ground approach um this is going to provide a, a ton more um guardrails against you know abusing uh this program and uh limiting the uncertainty um 
but it does not, uh, you know, limit people totally from using CE. So, you know, like, like Tony uh, said, when he brought, you know, brought this issue up, this is a luxury tax, you know, most of these sub options, which, you know, I'm not sure, I can't remember if we uh, even mentioned it, all of these options can be taken um, in conjunction or on their own. We're, you know, advocating for several of them. Um, but they all seek to just bring additional accountability to this program that has been abused. No, no, that's that's perfect. And I think it's important to emphasize, and I'm not being a CE apologist here, and I know Tony Tony wouldn't be either, but you know, we're not choosing 50% here because we recognize that that would make CE basically untenable, right? That that's, that's a huge lift that basically blows the potential out of the water here. And what this 25% option does as a middle ground is kind of, you know, it, it, it doesn't totally preclude the possibility of CE, but it does impose some some pretty large restrictions to ensure that we're not acting in, you know, a, acting in a way that's going to jeopardize well, we'll, the long Guys, remember, remember during Addendum 6, it was like the CE tilt-a-whirl. Uh, I mean, a couple of states put in, it was like, I don't even remember, it was like 40 or 50 different CE options that they sent to the technical committee altogether, the states that used it. So like, it, it's to me, that's just kind of willy nilly. Like, you know, you're just kind of like throwing stuff at a wall and see, see what sticks and you tack on this luxury tax on it. And, and let me tell you something, you're going to actually going to sit down and figure it out. And you're not gonna, you're not gonna, you're gonna be forced to, you know, pick one or two CE options for your state that you have, you have done your due diligence on, and it's not just gonna be like this pretend thing where you're like, I'm just gonna bury them in options, and and hopefully people won't notice. And I, I will, I'm gonna throw this in there too. Uh, in the, I guess in the maybe it was the PID. <clears throat> or maybe it was maybe it was the draft. I think it was draft amendment seven. And you can go find that PDF on the ASMFC website. But it showed if states met their reduction with addendum six. And anyone here, anyone here want to guess what New Jersey's reductions through addendum six was with their use of CE? Anyone want to go? I mean, like Maine's was like 70%. New Hampshire's was like everyone pretty much met or got close to their reductions. Does anybody want to guess what New Jersey's was? Zero. Zero point zero. That's the same GPA that Blutarski had in Animal House. He did become a senator at the end of the movie. However... You know, these are everyone's fish. They they kind of they know don't. Will's, do we know is Will too young for Animal House? I don't know. If he is, we're watching yeah, it tonight, have, buddy. We're doing a Zoom meeting. What you're talking about? I have seen Animal House for the record. Okay. okay, okay. I gave my love a cherry. That one, yeah. Okay. Blue, one of Blue Tarski's favorite. You know, zero point zero New Jersey. Yeah. Thanks again. Thanks for nothing. So you know, we need these guardrails on CE because, you know, our hopes are our hopes and dreams that with all of these constraints, maybe they'll actually meet the reduction that everyone else is meeting. 
you know, maybe let's hope. So I don't know. Like I said, I'm kind of getting giddy over all this conservation equivalency talk and all the restrictions. So let's get to the last one, guys. This one's a hoot. Option A. So this one's uh, the definition of equivalency for CE proposals with non-quota managed fisheries. So non-quota managed fisheries just pretty much means the recreational fishery um, in general. So this sub-option or this option has two sub-options. ASGA will be supporting option E2. Now, E2 um, pretty much says that state X that is applying for CE has to meet the reduction that it as state X has contributed to the coastwide needed reduction. So that may be a, a jumble, to wor- jumble of uh, words there, but, but uh, you know, it's just saying that you need to be accountable for your state's responsibility when it comes to this coastwide, um, the coastwide reduction. Tony, I'm sure you've got some examples on uh, when that has happened in uh, your your home waters. It's it's the New Jersey, again, I mean, hey, look, quit giving me ammo to beat you up with, right? But it's New Jersey. So when we had to take the reduction through addendum six, everyone's exhausted in the meeting. The commissioners, you know, man, it's like past five o'clock, everyone's exhausted. And a commissioner from New Jersey steps up and says, well, this isn't fair because if we take these coastwide reductions, it's 40% for my state. And for everyone else, it's a lot less. Well, guess what? If you kill two and three and four times the magnitude of fish of the other coastal states, your reduction is going to be higher. I mean, I don't. And and if it's not, it throws everything off. It throws it into a tailspin because the technical committee sets these things up as coastwide reductions. So New Jersey should have taken a 40% reduction with a, with a 18 and a half percent coastwide reduction. That is how it works. But, he threw a bunch of mumbo jumbo half the people maybe didn't weren't even aware of what was going to happen or what, what was going on or you know waited right till the end and boom new jersey doesn't take a reduction new jersey gets to use conservation equivalency at an 18 and a half percent reduction and then the audacity effectively took a zero percent reduction after the numbers came out and i want everyone to remember that I want I want everyone to remember that fought tooth and nail to not do what they should have done for the coast, abuse conservation equivalency and come out with a zero percent reduction. Didn't meet it. So you know, I man, I hope I hope and pray, I hope and pray this comes this the some of these things get through on conservation equivalency and it comes down like the hammers of God. Uh, upon the abuses that that state has levied on the rest of us who are actually interested in conservation. You know, um, let me tell you, like the audacity and gaming the system, you know, congratulations, you get a gold medal. Way to go. Way to go. Your your gold medal is how to cheat the system. Way to go. I'm, I'm sure you're so proud of yourself. So anyway, that's my thought of it. 
real a lot of stuff to be proud of there as our guys are struggling to hold on to their jobs and feed their families and all that kind of stuff, you know, yeah, hooray for you. We'll have a parade. So that's our position on conservation equivalency. So that was a, a very passionate uh, address by Tony, but he, he rings true. Um, all, you know, all of these, all of these options are going to improve conservation equivalency improve the improve the commission um this uh this this program you know it, it if you can look at it as a way to improve it this is an improvement um so you know we're, we're we're supportive like we said of all of these options to bring additional accountability to the to the commission and to this program um so you know like we said here are our uh our preferences We'd love for you to support them. If you have any other questions, you know, we're all ears. That's what we got here for conservation. Hey, wait, Willie, run them down. I can see you got the screen up. Just just machine gun them so the folks who are playing uh, conservation equivalency bingo at home can know which boxes to check. Sounds good. Quick recap here. So option B, restrict the use of CE based on stock status. We support sub-option B1. Uh, which is not to approve CE op um, programs when the stock is overfished. For option C, around precision standards for MRIP, we support sub-option C3, which is not to approve a C CE proposal um, associated with a percent standard error exceeding 30%. For option D, which is that conservation equivalency uncertainty buffer, uh, we support the idea that proposed CE programs uh, require an uncertainty buffer of 25%. And then for option E, uh, as Will was just describing, um, the definition of equivalency um, for CE proposals, we support sub-option E2, which is that the percent change um, should occur at the state-specific level as opposed to at the coast-wide level. And that's it. There it is. That was a super quick episode <laughs> of the guidepost. Really? I mean, we, that was pretty quick guys. Pretty complicated stuff. Kudos to Will and Willie. Conservation equivalency for stripe bass.